0: There's no better feeling than earning self-respect. If you look at animals in nature, you can see that all their actions express self-respect without the burdens of contradiction or overthinking. The lion does not need to think itself worthy in order to hunt the gazelle. And if it returns with no kill, it doesn't spiral into an existential crisis about what that failure means for the future. This is because nature has no intrinsic meaning. Nature just is. The animals know this without ever having been told, and they are operating outside of time in that In this way, abundance is the default state of nature. However, it is perceived scarcity that makes living in human form all the more precious. The great gift of humanity is our ability to create through intention any structure we hold in our imagination.
1: That's Daniel D'Piazza, and this is episode 272 of In The Moment with me, Alex Manzi. I'm a coach and this podcast is all about self-development and helping you to live a happier and more fulfilling life. And each week we hear from some of the most inspirational people in the world to help inspire you to make a positive change in your life. On this week's episode, I am joined by Daniel D. Piazza, who is a writer, entrepreneur and podcast host who uses his unique gifts to connect people and ideas together. And Daniel someone who I've been following his journey online for a number of years now And I've really seen his personal development growth over those years. And more recently, I've been an avid listener of his new Wave podcast, which is incredible. There's so many amazing short episodes, long episodes, interviews, nuggets, book breakdowns and all sorts on it. And Daniel's someone who's very much into personal development and all things psychology and spirituality, which make great grounding for this conversation because it allowed us to, to go really deep. We went to all kinds of depths in this conversation, like places that I've never... Been to in conversations on the podcast before we talk about things about psychedelics and what the experience of psychedelics have taught us we spoke about accessing the full range of your emotions the energetic connection we have to the world and the implications of experiencing life from a purer plane of consciousness so the aim of this podcast is to inspire so if you like what you hear in this episode be sure to share it with a friend and spread the love today but right now let's jump straight in and hear from Daniel cool so Daniel welcome to the podcast man how's it going
0: Thank you so much for uh, for having me. It's it's an honor to finally uh, make this happen after about seventeen thousand messages. Yeah, yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. I think finally being the operative word, man. But it's uh, we both wanted it to happen. It was just a a matter of when. And I think right now, for me anyway, it's worked out perfectly because I've got back into uh, a system of recording and regular interviews. So. Um, it feels like it's going to fit in very nicely with some of the other conversations I've recorded recently, man. So I'm, I'm gassed for this one. Um, so I guess the, the 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 reason I wanted to get you on is I've been following your journey online for since the rich 20-something days. Um, and I remember listening to you put out like a EP thing on Spotify. The, I can't remember what it was called, but I remember the drip, drip, drip analogy. Um, and I've just been following your journey and I, I've always found what you're up to in the world quite fascinating. Um, but I'd love to hear, like, to begin with, like, what what got you onto the path? Because I know, like, personal development is a huge part of what you do. What got you onto the path of uh, personal development to begin with?
0: I was trying to think about this myself because you tell your own origin story a lot of times across different media platforms and you think, is that really how it happened? <laughs> I think you make up your own story about how, about how your life uh, evolved and you kind of, like, fill it in with evidence to make it seem like that's the way it happened. When I really think about where I first got involved with personal development, I remember my grandmother had in her car every day when I was a kid, Tony Robbins, personal power two. And at that time, it was all cassette tapes. So she had like, and Tony had like, you know, it was like a 15 cassette box of just his whole program. And at the time, I thought that stuff was so weird, because there wasn't a lot of things like that out there at the time. There was like, that this is like the like the late age, early nineties, so like mm-hmm. Jim Rohn, Tony Robbins, Zig Ziglar, those types of guys. I always thought that was fascinating the way that they were able to like combine a little bit of stand up comedy, storytelling, um, but then like wisdom nuggets. And then as I got older, uh, I wanted to become involved in that world of personal development and speaking and um, and 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 helping people in that way, but growing up, there wasn't really the internet platform that there is now. You know, when I was graduating, uh, even high school, we didn't, I mean, YouTube barely existed. So hmm. I didn't even know that it was going to be an option for me to make a career in personal development. But from from a, from a um, selfish perspective, I was always interested in Um, the art and the craft of getting people to change their minds through just talking to
1: them Mm, yeah i love that i love the 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 conversational element in that is like just by talking to people because i think that's where it happens man i think a lot of people i think especially i I can speak from a personal perspective i'm not let me not throw assumptions around but i from a personal perspective reading the books and listening to the audios and watching the videos is great i don't want to take that away from anyone because we put that stuff out there for people right But actually when you hold a conversation in the space, it helps you to start to see things a lot deeper than you you maybe would have if if like, the audio can't talk back to you, the book can't talk back to you, whereas like a conversation, it flows, it bounces.
0: Well, yeah, and even like, also timing is a big part of personal development. People don't understand that you can have two people hearing the same message and what they're interpreting from that and receiving from that is different based on their previous life experiences and where they are now. And so oftentimes you'll have to, you can hear the same message multiple times throughout your life. And it'll mean something different to you, depending on when you're hearing it, the season that you're hearing it. And for me with personal development, um, it, it has evolved over the years from something that's just like a positive psychology of like, you can do it, Mm -hmm. um, which is a great part of personal development. And that's like, I think one of the first layers, but then there's a more, I think a subtle confidence, more of like a silent power that comes with true personal development which i'm not saying i'm a master of that or anything i'm just saying i've noticed that it exists where you don't have to always psych yourself up and be super positive it's not necessarily about that it's about knowing that no matter what happens everything's going to be okay because Mm. you're you're secure within yourself and i think that takes a that's a different form of personal development too
1: yeah i think i think you said it's like a it's it's not to categorize it but it's a deep it's a deeper understanding isn't it because like the the whole positive psychology thing's great. It's like, okay, you're having a bad thought, like think about it more positively. But when you start to understand the way that we experience life through emotions, through feeling, through thought, it kind of really, sh- you start to, to see it more differently. Like I had this thing for many years and I don't know if this will resonate with you, but it's like, I used to see life as like a spectrum of emotions. Or I still do, but spectrum of emotions and like 50% of the emotions are like bad. I don't want to feel them. And the other 50% are like, good, I really want to feel them. And it's like every time I felt the 50% that I, that I believed were bad, I'd resist them and I'd fight against them. And it'd be like, I don't want to feel this. Uh, God goddamn you, you feeling. But now it's like, <laughs> it's like, oh, actually, that's part of the human experience is that we can feel all of those emotions. And when I feel... The, you know bad in inflatable inverted commas side of the emotion spectrum, I'm like, oh okay, that's cool i'm having I'm having a feeling of, of that and experience of it that's cool it, there's less resistance, you know and that's like I think what I was getting from what you're saying is understanding that we are going to feel different things at different times given different levels of thinking and different situations and different moments and it's all okay. Nothing's actually good and nothing's actually bad. It's just all okay. And we can understand that and just rest in in like, oh yeah, I will be okay because the foundation is solid here.
0: Even to a certain extent now, sometimes positive psychology annoys me a little bit just because it doesn't acknowledge the fact that it's healthy to have an emotional response to things, even if it's not a positive emotion. I think that I didn't even learn how to truly feel until I was just about 30. I'm 34 now. And I've been telling this to people, I'm like, wow, I realized that I didn't even really understand how to access my emotions until later, which I think is maybe more common for men. Uh, It's probably all individual, but I used to, um, like you were saying, kind of stuff the bad emotions down, paper over them. and there, there is a surface level benefit to that because you can will your way through things, but it feels bad to not feel. Even though you think that you're uh, doing a service to yourself by not acknowledging the negative part of life, which is natural and intrinsic to living, uh, you're actually doing yourself a disservice because the more you don't feel it, the more it builds up and then it explodes.
1: Yeah, 100%, man, 100%. And I think that's it. It's like, It's like anything. It's like a, a bottle. If you shake a bottle and it's got fizz in it, it's like when you pop the cork, it's gonna go everywhere because you're you're suppressing all of the energy into the thing. Just
0: let a little bit out at a time.
1: Yeah, exactly. You just got or oh, don't shake it up and, and 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 shuffle it up too much in the first place. Just be okay with like, oh, if I pop the cork, some of it may spill, and you know.
0: Well, it's like it's like that's one thing that psychedelics has taught me too. It's just like uh, you'll be in a very deep part of the journey where it's very scary and you can't get out of it. So you just have to be with it. And that's the phrase we always say just be with it just be with it be in the journey and you realize that you can go through the very painful stuff and you're still strong enough within yourself to withstand that so then you can almost observe the the emotions coming up even if you're having an emotional time in your day-to-day life and you're feeling tossed and 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 just torn up by all of the, the things that are happening to you you can still there's a part of you that can step outside and say wow this person's really going through something right now I'm going to I'm going to give them love and support. This is like, especially with meditation, it helps to step outside yourself. When you meditate a lot, you can start to have this like observer effect where you can see your emotions more as they're coming up and you can observe them. I noticed that for myself, oh, Daniel's getting angry right now. He mm-hmm. seems like he's feeling a little tense. And then I can regulate from a perspective where I can say, all right, well, I am not the sum total of my emotions, but I am experiencing those things. I can acknowledge that and then let it move through. and." you know, it doesn't always work. It's not like, you know, it's not like rubbing a, a, a magic genie bottle or whatever, you know, but, but it does have a an impact on my life with that observational effect.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I, I love that you brought up the psychedelics because uh, I wanted to dive into that with you in, in this conversation because um, I know it's something that you... I don't know if "champions" the right word, but like you, you yeah, talk I'm about yeah. All right, let's I'm gonna go smoke with. some weed right now for that. <laughs> nice. um You you talk about it quite a lot because I know that it's shaped a lot of your experience, and I've seen you you, you share that you know macrodose, microdose, and and things like that. So I'd love to hear from your perspective, like what what's shifted for you since you you know, first had your first psychedelic trip whenever that was to, to where you're at now?
0: I'm definitely going to answer your question. Uh, but in some ways, I almost don't like talking about psychedelics as much anymore because I don't want people to think that it's a solution to anything. Even though it can really help you to figure some things out, I think there's part, part of our culture now is becoming more aware of psychedelics and that's a good thing. Um, but I I think there's an approach to doing it where it's not just ingesting these uh, medicines, but it's also doing the work before and after that that goes with that process. That's the most important. Um, so when I first started um, experimenting with psychedelics, I I wasn't I didn't know that. Uh, mm-hmm. I was just trying these things and I had great experiences or crazy experiences, and then I would just kind of be like shell shocked for a bit. But then I slowly learned how to understand what I was doing, and then also integrate it afterwards. Um, my first experience with psychedelics. <laughs> uh well my wife was the one who's very interested in psychedelics okay and there is a site which i'm pretty sure is still up although i don't look at it now it's called arrowid and arrowid is uh, basically like a like a trip report website that describes people's experiences on different drugs not just psychedelics but all types of drugs scary stuff oh my gosh read some of those stories and um but I started reading about people's psychedelic experiences back in maybe 2010, and it became very interesting to me. And I'd always felt that there was another layer of uh, reality to access. I felt like there was always other, they call them like non-ordinary states of consciousness. I've always felt pieces of those as, as a kid. And so I wanted to find ways to access it in my, you know, my adult waking life. My first psychedelic experience was in 2015, I believe. And <laughs> knowing, knowing now mm-hmm. what what I what I what I know I probably would have started with something like uh, like psilocybin, which it which is a great it can be it can be gentle or it can be very powerful but it's also just very earthy it's very much like, um, it it feels like it's part of our natural biochemistry to be able to take this stuff in psilocybin mm. is great, um, and it can be a very gentle teacher what I started with was five meo DMT, um, <laughs> which is like saying hey you just got your first car because you graduated school here's a ferrari don't crash it you know yeah. it's just the, it's one of the most powerful ones you can do so it was like strapping myself into a rocket ship and you know alex that first experience I, I couldn't even conceptualize what it would be like to lose my personality to lose my personality. every one of us has uh this construct that we build in our lives of ourselves based on everything that's happened to us, every every biographical event that's happened to us, our whole life experience, everything that people have said, everything that people have said to us, all of the things people have called us, we have this personality that we've created for ourselves. Mm. Now, that's not really you. Even your name is not really your name. Your parents gave you that name. That's not your name. You don't want to get too, too or technical out here, but it's not really, you know, you weren't, that's not imprinted on your DNA necessarily, yeah. you know, so we have all these characteristics that we take because humans need to have units of measurement in order to make sense of the world and we need to put things into discrete units so we have to have time we have to make time with discrete units we have to make measurements we have to make colors to be able to differentiate things we have to have all these discrete units of measurements names and personalities are another way of differentiating those things Mm -hmm. so we have all these different personalities and we have to call them different people because it helps us to understand how to interact with the rest of the world, but really, if you think about it, we're all just various manifestations of the God force expressing itself through different individuals. How do we know this? Well, trees grow from the ground, and it's easy to see that they're part of the earth because they have literally a root and a trunk and it's connected to the earth, so it's pretty easy. Now, humans, you know, we don't have the same type of structure, you don't have roots that are keeping us in the ground, we're walking around, and so we think that we're separate. But really, we have an energetic connection to the ground, to the to the earth, and we're made up of all the same stuff, you know? And so you weren't just plopped here from you, you didn't just a stork didn't come. There wasn't an airplane that dropped you. You grew up from the ground. If you think about like those Russian dolls, where it's like a doll inside a doll inside a doll. There's no end to that until you really think about the Big Bang or Big Earth. You know, mm. we we're we're made of that. And energetically, especially if you talk electromagnetically, we're connected to that source. And so your personality is just a way of differentiating the individual characteristics that are manifesting through this avatar of God. And I didn't know that before. (laughs) That's a lot, right? (laughs) So so when when this was wiped away, when Daniel was wiped away and I was shown that, which has taken me, just to say that one sentence, however long that was, it's taken me like 10 years to fully Mm. understand it. But you get a flash of that with the DMT. You get a flash and the way I describe it is it's like, it's like going to the bookstore and being able to absorb and momentarily hold all the books, mm. which is what we'd really call the Akashic records. If you want to speak spiritually about it, there's a term for that, you know, and, but accessing all the things said and unsaid in the universe. And so you get to hold that for a second, you get to hold that for a second. And then eventually after the experience fades, um, you will lose a lot of what you thought you knew in that experience, but what you'll gain from that is you'll gain a bit more of a, a capacity in your mind for new experiences, new understanding. It's almost like building a roof or building a room in your house, a new room where you can store more stuff. And you'll have experienced your brain moving from a, from a neurological perspective, the firing and wiring in new ways, which makes it easier to reach that state again through meditation and non, non-medicine or drug means. And so it set me up for you know, years of looking into myself from a from now a perspective where I, I truly understood what was underneath all of this, and that's been very fascinating to me. Wow. <laughs> wow. DMT. DMT.
1: <laughs> no, but I love it. DMT. But, yeah, because it's like um, I, I've only ever uh, done shrooms twice, and um, it's like once you, I, I mean, maybe didn't quite see it on the level that you saw it, but like I said, once you see it, you can't then unsee it. It's like I describe it as like when you, you know, when you look at those pieces of art that like a, is it a is it a, a vase or is it two faces looking at each other? It's like you, you see the vase and you're like oh yeah it's a vase it's a vase and then someone's like no there's two faces and then you see the two faces you now can't unsee that there's two things at play. It's oh, kind yeah. of it's, it's kind of like that in in an ex, in an experience of consciousness. It's like you now can't unsee the fact of what you said. I am not me. I'm a part of the whole. And the way that I'm perceiving reality is not the truth of reality. There's there's, there's more to do it. Even from like, I remember um, me and my friend were were walking, we were in Athens <laughs> and we were walking up this this uh, hike and it was like these uh, man-made like paving stones put on the floor. And some of them were put into like nice little shapes like flowers and they'd be made into faces and, you know, stuff like that. And as we were walking, it was like, it's becoming really obvious to me like the story of which they were made and like the amount of people who have walked this path and the people who have seen this and i was like all in this one like momentary flash and i'm like wow like you can't you can't then unsee that you you can't then unsee the detail of the way someone's put the the stones in place to make it a flower or a star and it's like little things like that were like really becoming obvious even like uh i don't know like the colors of the trees were more vibrant and stuff or like the birds sounded more pristine and like the sound waves were like clearer and it's like you can't then unhear hear that stuff you can't then unsee it you can't unfeel it and it's like it almost like i like the way he said it. it's like putting a new room in your house it's like you you can't then like once you put the room there it's like it's there now
0: (laughs) yeah you can fill it up with more stuff
1: yeah yeah, exactly and i love that and i think it's it's i was having this conversation actually earlier and one of my friends um he's about to go on his first shroom ceremony he called it and um he was like i don't really know what to expect but he sounds like he's in a really good place because i feel like the stories that i've heard from people is they go to something like psychedelics because they want to fix themselves and i feel like that's when you're touching on territory of like this could not go too well for you and you can't fix yourself or you can see actually i don't need to be fixed and then you're like oh, okay cool. And but that being said like he, my friend is like in a place where he's like spiritually he's in a really good place mentally physically emotionally and he's really open to experience what he could possibly experience and i was saying to him dude like just be open don't don't expect too much don't expect anything but like, just just be open and, and curious as to what, what will come up and let the medicine show you what it wants to show you. Because what I saw when I had my experience in Athens was just like the true nature of how we experience our thinking and our feeling. And then the second time um, was more recently, and I just really saw the nature of which my life has been created um, since I embarked on my journey of personal development, how Everything has been sh- forming and changing, and how certain situations, situations in my life, have changed. From like, I would have seen that as like a negative. I would have had certain toxic, you know, beliefs about stuff, and that stuff's kind of shifted for me over the over the ten or so years. And it was really that was like the thing that I, the 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 medicine was telling me was that like it was showing me how far I've come on that journey. And that was that was enough i was like cool yeah I can, now i can't unsee that i'm like yeah it has changed it's great have you seen the movie annihilation with natalie portman no i haven't
0: okay that's your homework tonight <laughs> down and then text me and let me know how you like it because there's there's one scene in it well the whole the whole movie is it's a it's a psychedelic movie basically it's i don't think that's what they intended but it is um, and or maybe it is what they intended, but there's there's a scene in the movie where you know this is not, there's no spoiler here, but where Natalie sees like her shadow, like the inverse of herself, and and sees how that shadow is holding her in her place and holding her her, her back, but she's really her own limitation. That's how I interpret it at least, and I want to get your impressions on it when you watch it. Yeah, and the second thing I would say is that in terms of like what to expect from a psychedelic journey, no expectations is the best way to go in, because sometimes if you go in, a lot of times people go in with no expectations and they get their mind blown. And then they'll come back again the second time and be like, okay, I wanna be blown up the exact same way. And it doesn't always, it's not like a, like a, like a, there's no guarantee of any type of experience. There's a lot that goes into, you know, what you'll experience when you're going on any type of journey. But um, I think that they say you always get what you need.
1: Yeah. And yeah. yeah. And I think it's really interesting. Like um, the, the, the thing that I experienced last time was like the mind, like the little mind, the personal mind. Wants to freak out, like because you know if you if you take enough, then obviously like things start to you know uh, not change shape, but they start to look a bit more fluid, shall we say? Like move, they move a bit more, or you start to see things that maybe not that aren't there, but like you might look at a light switch and you see it as oh, like, it kind of looks like a bird face or something, you know? Not, but not like a physical bird face. It just appears like the I don't know. I can't really explain like the features of it, right? And I remember I I went to the toilet and um, you know you get those little like plastic things that you put in the in the basin and it's like this it keeps the smell nice basically I was looking down at that and the the pattern on it was starting to like move and shape and I was like oh and my my little mind like my personal mind was like oh my god what's going on like that thing's moving it shouldn't be moving why is it moving oh my god you're freaking out like, oh, the mushrooms are kicking in like, oh, and all this. And then all of a sudden I caught it and I was like, oh, it's the it's the shrooms. It's the medicine is doing it. And then all of a sudden it became a lot more playful as an experience. I was like, oh, this is cool. Like this thing's moving. And then I went outside and there was a mountain in, in, the, in the background and like the rock face was kind of like doing the same sort of like uh, fluid movement within the rocks. And I was like, oh, this is really fun. This, is, And I was starting to see faces in the rocks. And I was like, this is really cool. And it's like the little mind wants to like freak out of the situation. So I can see how a lot of people get, if they're not ready to let go of that, they can get stuck in that as their experience. Whereas if you stay open to like, okay, what else is actually at play here? What else can I see? What else is possible? You can, you can play with the reality a little bit more. And you start to see that actually reality is a lot more pliable and a lot more malleable than we perceive it as normally day to day. And that's really powerful in itself.
0: Yeah, well, you know, this is this isn't a solid world. Um, even if you, you know, whether you whether you're taking it from a scientific perspective, you're just talking energy, electrons, atoms, you know, it's not a solid world. And even from the spiritual perspective, we know that it's, you know, what we're seeing and what we're receiving as solid is just the illusion of it. They call what well, they call it, Gaia. Mm-hmm. Um, or is it Maya? I think it's Maya is the illusion. But what I found interesting was as you take. more doesn't always equal better but what i found is that as you up the dosage of especially something like lsd which i consider lsd a a psychedelic uh um uh compound but maybe it's not a a a plant medicine you know Mm -hmm. i think it really because i think lsd was synthesized with ergot and then a few other things that was combined uh and by robert hoffman uh robert or david hoffman in in the 1950s and um what i found with lsd is that similar to what you're saying with the mushrooms things get a little wavy and then as you up the dosage it goes from wavy to fractal
1: Mm.
0: and so it starts with just the vibration which if you think about it and alan watts makes a good point about this he's like everything in everything that humans make has sharp edges and right angles but everything that nature makes is wavy Mm -hmm. you know and so we're so used to seeing things in discrete boxes. Again, going back to those discrete boxes, that when things get wavy, we get a little weird with it because you know we're not used to seeing that. But if you really like, if you look at a tree, for instance, you can see that the, its shape, every every branch has a certain wave to it. There's no like real straight line. Mm. You know, everything, e- even things that look straight are actually curvy in nature. You know, even a tree, tree that looks straight, it's actually curved, and um, and so you'll see like. When it goes fractal it will go from just seeing the waves and ripples to just completely particleizing which is really can be scary on <laughs> at a yeah. certain level um but it, i think it also reveals the true nature of things which is just all you know particles and energy and I,
1: yeah and I, what you what you were saying there about the, the waviness and the fractal stuff it, it made me think that actually nothing is static at all if you if you if you look into physics it's like everything is an atom which has a uh what do they call them the middle of an atom again? A nucleus which has loads of, you know, molecules and things buzzing photons and protons and futons <laughs> all, <laughs> all, all like moving around. Nothing. Futon, like- I've seen a, a microscopic photon. <laughs> yeah, imagine. <laughs> um, like all it's all moving parts. So I guess like what I'm actually just realizing now is when we're experiencing that waviness, we're seeing the movement we're seeing the, vibra- the the vibration of the movement, you know, and we're actually able to perceive it with our own human physical eyes, which, again, it wakes us up to, oh, like, there's there's nothing's actually as it really seems. It just looks like it is. Um, and I heard this really good uh, analogy once, actually, and I'd love to hear what you think of this. I might butcher it, but we'll go for it anyway. <laughs> um, this guy was saying that uh, the human experience and what we perceive as our reality is equivalent to um, if someone was born in the cockpit uh, cockpit of an aeroplane and the windows were blocked out so you couldn't see out of the windows and the only information you had was the dials, the air pressure, the speed, the wind speed, the, I don't know what else is in there, the temperature. Whatever's in the cockpit. Yeah, whatever's in the cockpit, all, all the information, that was the, that was the only way you could have a perception of what was going on outside of you and that was all you ever knew was just these dials and this information he was saying that human experience is the same because we've only got our five senses you know of smell taste etc etc and they're the way that we then perceive the world around us but there's actually more to the world than how we can perceive it which is why you know a hawk for example has like pinpoint vision for something that's like 200 miles away or maybe not that far but like 200 meters away or whatever and a dog navigates the world via their smell and uh etc et trees can talk to each other to to give each other nourishment and stuff um and we can't see that stuff we can't experience it but it is there and that even hearing that i was like wow how like small and again in inverted commas is our experience we're not actually experiencing the true nature of reality and all of these moving parts and frequencies and vibrancies and blah, 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 blah. we're just experiencing it how we can experience it
0: Oh yeah, man. I mean, if you really think about it, like we are—we're really only getting a fraction of the information that's coming in to us that's available to us, and um, we have to do the best that we can with that information. But there, there's a lot going on in the background, and you know, even if you look at our our scientific instruments, science can only enhance the natural senses of the human instrument, the human the human tool. So microscopes make your vision. Go deeper into the microscopic. Telescopes can make you look further out. You can have stereo systems to make you hear better. But those are only enhancing the senses we already have. We're not really adding any new senses. Mm-hmm. You know, we're still never going to be able to see by radar, sonar, basically. I mean, you know, we can make these tools to try to, to try to emulate it, but it doesn't really work. Um, and that's that's why that's one thing that's going to be a, you know I think interesting to see with the move to VR that that now is being pushed you know to a certain extent you look at like meta for instance and they're pushing uh vr and i have an oculus myself and i think mm. man you guys aren't even close to matching the experience of being a human being and i know you're, you're trying
1: yeah 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 that's because it's all up
0: here but the but humanity being a human is so much more than the visual field and 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 the world contains so much more than even humans can sense
1: yeah exactly exactly um, so what, what what I'm thinking right now is like <laughs> people who are listening to this might be thinking, all right, you two sound like right pair of stoners. But like, what's the <laughs> what what do we do with all of this? Like, what's the implications of this stuff in, in like a day to day life? Um, because I think that's something that a lot of people, they, they can hear it and you can kind of understand it and try to intellectualize it and conceptualize it for themselves. But like, what's the actual implications of the experience that we're if we if we can try and describe it um, of the experience that we're talking about
0: what's the implications i wish they could give every world leader a mega dose a mega dose of one of the just any one of these things we've talked about because it would be hard to bomb people you know but okay that you said don't sound like a stoner um <laughs> what are what are the implications the implications are well okay first and most practical um we know that uh, if we just want to talk about psychedelics, but we can talk about psychedelics and also non-ordinary states of consciousness, consciousness can be used in legitimate uh, medical healing. Hmm. So even before, you know, recently, you know, over the past few decades, psychedelic uh, therapy has been outlawed. But before that, in the 50s and 60s, and probably even a little bit before that, we were seeing tremendous improvements in uh, depression, PTSD, and alcoholism and other addictions using LSD, mushroom, and other psychedelic therapy, which is now coming back into the fold with things like psilocybin, um, ketamine, and LSD. And I think that these are tremendous tools. I saw, you know, a, a cover article in Newsweek a few months ago, and they said, "This just basically this just in psilocybin mushrooms could be more effective and safer than." than uh, antidepressants and i'm like no shit it's a mushroom that goes in the ground lots of people have already known this many other cultures have already known this but of course you know modern science western science wants to get their 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 opinion heard and they want to they want to feel like hey we just we found this for you guys it's like no it's already been here so just from a purely medical perspective uh psychedelics have a tremendous use and you really need to look into this you know if, if you guys um have done any research on uh on on ketamine that's good but also look into mdma those are two um different psychedelic compounds which are are proven to have tremendous benefits on um on people who've uh, experienced trauma um you know like uh just you know rape depression anxiety like all these different things because what happens is your your brain chemistry gets Severely fucked up from traumatic experiences, or it can. Or if you've had depression for a long time, your your brain actually changes the way that it fires. And these uh psychedelic compounds can actually help to rewire and 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 fire your, your neurological patterns in a healthier way. And that has like a marked effect. Same thing with addictions. Uh, what I've read is that research has shown that there was um using LSD therapy when applied to alcoholics across a broad spectrum. Um, i think they said it was a only a 30 percent recidivism rate after 18 months which Mm -hmm. is extremely low compared to regular talk therapy or you know just like addiction clinics or whatever most people who are especially alcoholics alcoholics heroin addicts, really really hardcore addictions you know within 12 to 18 months are back on the drugs it's Mm -hmm. really hard to get off these things but with psychedelic therapy they're able to do like i think it was like two to six sessions and the the rate of of cure is incredible. So that is something that if you're on the fence and skeptical about psychedelics, look into the medical cause, medical uses of it and utility of it and see that it's having like a like a measurable impact. And then if you want to get into the more spiritual and world saving impact, you know, effects, you can look at that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I love that. That's a great point looking into the the science of it as well, because I think it's very easy to keep it woo-woo. <laughs> yeah. But the science makes it clear. Yeah, exactly. And I think I think the the, the thing that I've experienced is kind of what we touched on earlier is like you have this big mind experience and you see that oh all of these problems and things and identity and stories and beliefs that i have about myself don't really mean anything in the grand scheme of the calculus of the multiverse or whatever they just they they don't and it's really hard to hear that when you're going through stuff because i've i've been there i'm like Fuck you, man. What do you mean? But like, <laughs> it's like, actually, when you see it on that level that you have that that raising of consciousness, you start to see, OK, I, I get it that the things that I stress about day to day and worry about and the anxiousness that I experience and the depression that I experience, they just felt experiences and they don't mean anything about me in particular.
0: Yes. Yes, there's no. In fact, can I read something I just wrote for you yesterday? Because it, yeah. it's relevant.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: It's relevant to this. Um, and this is in prep of a new book I'm putting out, so I'm plugging mm-hmm. myself.
1: Nice.
0: Okay. So here's here's what I wrote, because it ties into what you're saying. There's no better feeling than earning self-respect. It seems odd to think that as individuals, we would need to gain our own respect, but we do. If you look at animals in nature, you can see that all their actions express self-respect without the burdens of contradiction or overthinking. The lion does not need to think itself worthy in order to hunt the gazelle, and if it returns with no kill, it doesn't spiral into an existential crisis about what that failure means for the future. This is because nature has no intrinsic meaning. Nature just is. The animals know this without ever having been told, and they are operating outside of time in that isness. In this way, abundance is the default state of nature. However, it is perceived scarcity that makes living in human form all the more precious. The great gift of humanity is our ability to create through intention any structure we hold in our imagination. The reason we cannot see this power is the same reason your tongue cannot lick itself (laughs) and (laughs) and your right hand can never give itself a handshake. We play games with ourselves in a veiled attempt to throttle our own power because we love the feeling of pulling victory from the maws of defeat. We spend a lifetime using our conscious attention to put out the fires we cause ourselves unconsciously. We portray both the hero and villain in our own narrative, a brilliant performance that we're simultaneously directing and watching, but make no mistake, God respects herself.
1: Ooh, I love that. I love that, man. That's uh, You have to send that to me, man. <laughs> and I think that what I love about it is that you start off with the line self-respect and you end it on respecting the self because I think that's it. I think it's respect with a capital R and it's the self, the ego, that wants to be respected that creates a lot of the suffering. But like you said, with a lion, it's, it's not, I'm, I'm kind of breaking it down now, but a lion yeah. is like not trying to, seek respect it uh no respect is it embodies that it just it is it it be yeah it is being is that
0: i don't i don't know from a psychological perspective if lions get depressed i mean maybe if you put them in a cage they are depressed yeah but in their natural habitat there's no thought of self-sabotage it's just do yeah you know and that's that's also the dao so we can mm-hmm. go into that you know it's just do but yeah, when you said there's no intrinsic meaning in nature, it doesn't mean there's no intrinsic meaning in your life. It means that the meaning is what you create.
1: Mm. Yeah, I am the creator. You are and the creator. I, and I am the creation all in one. There isn't really a separate. Yeah, there is no separation. It's I, I am that in one.
0: No, there's no. I'll, I'm going to read you another piece now, too. Okay, yeah, you ready? Go. <laughs> this, is, this is from my book, The True Artifact, which comes out October 25th, 2022. Okay. Jeez. That's coming out soon. So this is a book. This is 33 pieces that I've written on 33 33 lessons on, you know, purpose, creativity, life, love, all that stuff. So this is called the Gradient of Now, and it talks about that idea of no separation. Okay, you ready for this? The world moves in a continuous gradient that humans have to break into discrete units to measure, but there are no specific points in time or space. There are no specific colors. There are no specific people. We use minutes to break down the endless flow of time into neat little building blocks so that our brains can decipher them. Time's true form is shaped more like a psychic Mobius strip than a continuous line from the past to the future. The past and the future are interwoven and in constant relationship to each other, creating one infinite edge that folds back onto itself. For an event to have happened in the past, it would have needed to occur at a discrete time. But the more you examine time, the more it slips through your fingers like sand. St. Augustine said, I know what time is, but when you ask me, I don't. Every moment only exists in relation to other moments. We use personal and collective history to create mental hooks that compress the vast calculus into a manageable file. When exactly? does a moment in time begin or end? Is a child born the moment she leaves the birth canal and is breathing oxygen on our side of the womb? Is she born when the sperm fertilizes the egg or when the cells of the egg are created? Maybe she is born at the exact moment that her father and mother are born, because without those events, her existence would be impossible. Or was she born when the first single-celled organism finally became multicellular and its ancestor crawled out of the sea? The more closely you look at time, the more you notice there's nothing to see. There are no boundaries around when events start and stop. There are no discrete units to measure a moment, only a continuous flow and causation of itself. There is only now and now and now. The more you look at matter, the more you realize it's not solid. The body we experience as hard and dense is actually more air than land. We're completely porous on a microscopic level, constituted of trillions of cells surrounded by constellations of empty space. Inside each nucleus, even more particles vibrating with cellular energy. You extend to infinity in both directions. There is no difference between you and the room you're in. Your cells create a field of electrical energy which touches and interacts with everything around you, including other people. There is no separation between anything or anybody there is only the gradient of infinite change from one moment to next last night i watched the sky flex and bloom in the mountains of santa monica the sun pulsed an infinite bouquet of colors for two hours as it set over the valley each instant a different color deep crimson to brilliant blue and green every shade every moment a barely perceptible variation of one just a second before i wonder if our lives are much like the pulsing colors over the night sky every moment no separation only a gradient of experiences only now and now and
1: now Ooh, dude dude you took me on a ride there man You're you're like dr strange out here with this there you go <laughs> uh dude do you know what i, I i'm gonna i want to leave the episode there because i think that is a is a perfect note to end it on and what i want to invite everyone who's listening to this me and Daniel would both love to hear what you get from what he just read. What's your interpretation of it? what does it mean for you? What's the learning that you can take from it um, To do that you guys know where to hit me up on Instagram at I am Alex manzi Daniel where can people find you where can they hear more about your work? where can they send you what they've learned from your beautiful passage?
0: I would love to hear from you at Daniel De Piazza on Instagram. And if you want to get the, I put out a 16 page teaser of this new book that I'm putting out in October called The True Artifact. If you just go to thetrueartifact.com, you'll be able to get the teaser for free. It has three of my favorite pieces from
1: the, uh, from the collection. Awesome, man. I appreciate that. I appreciate you reading two passages, not one, but two. Yes. Uh, <laughs> incredible stuff, man. Um, but yeah thank you for the time dude it's been an absolute pleasure and yeah i I feel like there's a a lot more conversations to be had so um, i'm sure we'll we'll find time to do this again
0: oh yes oh yes thank you
1: so there we have it i really hope you enjoyed this episode and if you know someone who you think would benefit from hearing this episode be sure to send them the link or a screenshot because it's really important that we continue to spread the positive vibes and messages of episodes like this i started this podcast to help inspire a positive change And you can also be a part of that by sharing this episode with someone you know today. I want to thank Michaela Atsu for editing and producing this episode. And I also want to thank Hobgoblin for providing the sick music that you hear. And as always, I want to thank you for spending the time with me today. And I'll see you for the next episode.